Hi there, it's episode 165, and today I have a chat with Jane, who is a member of the Simple Families community, and she is sharing her journey towards simplicity. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi there, it's Danae. Thank you for tuning in. It's episode 165, and today I have a journey to simplicity for you. For those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know that occasionally I do these journey to simplicity stories where I follow members of the Simple Families audience, and they share with us more about what their journey towards a simpler life has looked like. Today, I'm going to be chatting with Jane Monnier, who has been a part of Simple Families since pretty much the beginning. I'll tell you more about her and her story, but first, here's a few words from our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Sprout Kids. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that we have a lot of Sprout Kids furniture in our house. Over the past year, I've gotten to know Clark Davis, who has actually been a guest on the podcast in the past. Clark is the owner and operator of Sprout Kids, which operates and manufactures here in the U.S. and Utah. And during that time, we've shared several phone calls talking about the functionality of children's furniture. Clark is passionate about creating children's furniture that is functional, durable, and beautiful. And perhaps most importantly, it doesn't break the bank. The furniture from Sprout is child-friendly, which means it's designed to get your kids involved in what's happening in the house. The products are all made out of wood. There's no MDF, particle board, that sort of thing. They also reduce packaging and provide safe finishes on the product, so you don't have to worry about chemicals. Now, when I say affordable, it is a little more expensive than Ikea, but it is far more durable, and it's functional and designed to grow with a child, so you're going to keep it for a long time. So give it a try. Go to sprout-kids.com and use the coupon code SIMPLEFAMILIES, that's all one word, and you get 10% off your order. Again, that's sprout-kids.com and use the coupon code SIMPLEFAMILIES for 10% off. This week's listener spotlight comes from Brazil, and this message is from Paula, and she just finished up the masterclass, and she wrote, You made such a difference in my life and my family. I'm sure that all the good things that you taught me will come back to you. You're such a blessing. Thank you for supporting moms all over the world. Your work has really touched me. Paula, thank you for your kind words and for being a part of Simple Families. I'm so pleased to hear that Simplicity has had such a positive impact on your family too. So in terms of what's going on in Simple Families right now, this summer I am going to an every other week schedule for the podcast. But I will be, as planned, launching a new round of the Mental Unload. Enrollment opens next week, July 17th. So just a little bit of background on the Mental Unload. I've been running this program for about two years. It's changed its shape and form over that time. I've had people join me once, twice, three times. Some people love to come back and do a refresher after they've done it once or twice. Because you'll find that with stress and overwhelm, it's not something that you deal with once and it goes away. It's something that you need to develop a process for, a process that you can come back to and revisit when times get tough and things get stressful. And that's really what the mental unload is. It's a four-part system to decrease overwhelm and stress that's related to parenthood. And one of the things that we do tackle is if you're feeling unsupported by your partner, how to make changes. So if you're listening and you know that you need to do better with self-care, this might be just the place to start. You can go to simplefamilies.com forward slash unload to learn more, but enrollment doesn't officially open until July 17th. But on that page, you can leave your email address so you'll get updates and stay in touch. All right, so back to today's episode. I am chatting with Jane Monnier, and Jane has been a part of Simple Families pretty much since I have, since the very beginning. And it's been a pleasure getting to know her through the Facebook community and through the programs that she's done. She's a veteran of the Mental Unload. She's actually done it with me three times now, and she joined me this last round as the community manager which was so great to see her be able to take the tools that she's used and support other women. So she's joining me today and we're talking more about what her journey to simplicity has looked like. Jane is a rocket scientist turned military mother and wife, and her family has moved all over the world and they've definitely faced obstacles and their own share of stress and overwhelm and the accumulation of stuff. So Jane is going to share a little bit about how she's been letting go of the physical and mental clutter. 
I hope you enjoy this episode. If you have questions or comments, you can leave those at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 165. Hi, Jane. How are you? I'm wonderful, Danae. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Of course. My pleasure. So Jane, I'll first say how I've gotten to know you over the past couple of years. You have been a part of the Simple Families community for how long has it been? Do you know? I can't remember exactly, but I think it was before you even had your actual blog website up. You were doing like an email list. Um, and so I was on that. 2017, maybe. I'm I guessing think that so. Been. I know I only had one child, I think. <laughs> she was born in 2015. Okay. So oh, wow. It's I been don't a know. long time. It's been a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been, I've loved having you as a part of Simple Families and you participated in the mental unload. You've done a few rounds with me and this last round you helped to co-facilitate it with me and I really enjoyed getting to know you better through that too. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it and I loved being um a bigger part of the community during that last mental unload because there's some really awesome ladies that were involved. Um, and I always learn something new every round I do about myself and, you know, every, every round I do of the mental unload affects me in a different way because there's always something new going on in my life. So yes, it's wonderful. Yes, it <laughs> the mental load doesn't go away, but you can learn to balance it better. Exactly. To keep, it, keep it a little quieter. Yes. And I have. Good, good, good. So I am excited to hear your story. So tell us a little bit about you and where you started. Where where'd you where'd you grow up? Where have you lived? Because I know you've lived all over. Um, yeah. So I'm originally born and raised in Minnesota, um, and I was really excited to leave and do other things and went to college down in Florida to get an engineering degree at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, which nobody really knows about unless you're in the aeronautic community. Um, and then my husband and I actually reconnected. We went to high school together, but weren't high school sweethearts or anything like that and reconnected right after we graduated college uh, in the same year when I was living in Florida and he joined the Air Force and we were dating long distance. We got, I moved to Texas and then we got married in 2009. And shortly after we got married, we moved to Japan and were there for three years with his, uh, due to his job. And then uh, about 28 or 30 weeks into my first pregnancy in Japan, we moved to Arkansas uh, where we were there for about three years. We added another child. I uh, finished my master's degree in Arkansas and started working again as an engineer there after taking a few years off in Japan. And then um, he got kind of a surprise assignment that we were super excited for, which required us to move to Italy, where we are right now. But before that, he had to go to language school in Washington, D.C. So we lived there for six months well, he learned Italian and then we moved to Italy and we've been here just over two years now. Um, and that's kind of my geographic story in a nutshell. We have two daughters. Um, my oldest is almost six. Her birthday's at the end of May. So she's an almost six-year-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old, uh, two daughters. So... That's wow, really that makes my head spin. <laughs> There's a that lot going on. <laughs> so much movement and change. And wow. So tell me a little bit about your career background. Like what type of engineering were you doing? So I graduated in 2007 with a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering. And I worked for Boeing at the Kennedy Space Center for the space shuttle program back when um, we were still sending U.S. astronauts to space on US so off of U.S. soil. Um, so that was a so pretty does that, does cool Does that job. make you a rocket scientist? It does. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, just checking. I thought that. <laughs> yes, um, technically it does. Um, and I really liked saying I worked for the space shuttle program a lot, but my actual day-to-day -day job wasn't super fulfilling to my interests, I suppose. And so I transferred um, within the same company to Texas and made airplane parts instead, which is a lot, uh, I guess, more 
blue collar for lack of better words. I got dirty at my job. I got to wear jeans and steel toe shoes and stuff and work with some really, really talented machinists that could build any part that you needed for these really old um, cargo and tanker airplanes that the Air Force is still using today that need to get basically like completely overhauled um, with new stuff all on the inside of them. And some of these parts, you know, there's not a manufacturer for them anymore. So we build them in our shop. And that was really fun. And I really loved that job. So was it just a coincidence that your husband was in the Air Force or was this all sort of, was that one of the big pieces that you reconnected on? So I would say it was a coincidence because it wasn't why we, we met or anything like that, but having a shared interest in aviation definitely helped us have a bond um, and, and something that we could talk about and enjoy. And he had always wanted to be a pilot his whole life. And so um, it was really easy to support his dream to do that because I was also then still a part of the aviation community, um, even when I quit my job to go with him to Japan, I was still in this community that I found a lot of satisfaction being a part of even as a different role, which is military spouse. Um, and I kind of naively also thought, oh, I work on military aircraft. I'll be able to find a job at any military base, but that's not really how it works. (laughs) There's different bases that do a lot of the work, um, with contractors or companies like Boeing. And there's other places that they don't do anything, um, only active duty people work on the aircraft and I'm not in the military so that I couldn't have that sort of job. So I kind of naively thought I'd be able to continue my career wherever we went, uh, which has not been the case at all. Now, was this a career that you had dreamed of your whole life or is it something you stumbled onto? Um, I was always really good at math and science and I loved the movie Apollo 13 and just, I thought, oh, I want to be an engineer, but I, I kind of negated the other types of engineering that I didn't want to do because the job sounded more boring or I wasn't interested in the, you know, a, a robotics or something like that. Um, but I liked aviation and I liked space. And so I, I kind of went into it, not really knowing what I was going to do in the career field, but just wanting that challenge, um, to say that, I have an aerospace engineering degree, I suppose. So uh, my my whole joke has always been, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up because I, I really like being a student and I really like having a challenge and I really like learning. But I didn't, unlike my husband, who's always wanted to be a pilot in the military, I haven't had that direct of a goal <laughs> for my childhood or even my adult life. And I think that's so true of many adults that some of us know exactly what we want to do and we start down that path and we stay on that path forever. And then others of us, I feel like we are a lot more open to learning new things and to learning about new novel areas and diving deeper into many different things, sort of like a jack of all trades. Right, right. Totally. And I loved, I still do love engineering. And um, when I had to take a break from it while we were in Japan. I decided to get my master's degree through an online program. So I also have a master's degree now in uh, mechanical engineering from the North Carolina State University's online program, which was a really cool experience to do. Um, And I just always thought I was going to do that. (laughs) So So now you're home with your kids. And is that not was that in your, ever in your plans? It was never in my plans. I grew up with a mom who always worked. She worked part-time. She was home at three o'clock. So I always had her home after school, but she always had a job. And um, I just always assumed I've worked really, really hard for my degrees and for my job. And why would I not do that anymore, I guess? And I, I always think you know, I went to daycare. I, I'm fine. So my kids can go to daycare and they'll be fine too. Um, and just, it, it never really crossed my mind that that was something I was going to do. 
I've talked to a lot of moms in the past year about this idea that when you're coming from a career where you have found success and moving into a new role as a mother, whether it be a stay-at-home mother or a working mother, that you sort of come into it with this idea that I've done this other job well, and I have succeeded and experienced success in this this side of me. Motherhood's going to be easy. Like this is just going to be one more thing, one more box to check, one more thing that I can achieve and succeed at. Did you feel like that at all going into motherhood? Definitely. And I also have had a lot of experience with kids. My part-time job in college was as, um, I call myself a nanny, but I didn't like live with them, but I was regularly at their house for three years, multiple days a week and saw these two boys grow up. And I've always liked kids. I've been a camp counselor. I've done um, things even when I was in Japan, one of the things I was doing there was teaching English to little kids and substitute teaching at the high school on the base and things. And so I've always had kids as part of my life. So I always thought that becoming a mom would just you know, be that natural next step. I've always wanted to be a mom and I've always liked kids. So I never really thought that I couldn't do everything. So tell me a little bit about your experience becoming a mother and and your first years. What did those look like? Um, They were, (laughs) looking back at it now, I can see that I was trying to do a lot, but at the time it seemed just I was just doing my life, you know, um, we thought we were going to be staying in Japan another year. So I expected to have my first daughter while living there. And we actually had a really wonderful community there. So that didn't scare me. I was happy to have my daughter there. And then the military always has a mind of its own. And so they decided that my husband needed to move back to Little Rock a year sooner. And so I moved seven months into my pregnancy, uh, which I was not expecting. And we had to find a house to live in and buy new cars. And all of that is a lot when you're not hormonally pregnant and dealing with that, find a new doctor, you know, choose a hospital to deliver in all those things. But suddenly I had two months to do it in and not nine. Um, so that was a lot. My husband was in training um, for a new airframe, which is really demanding. And so we always joke that our daughter was a good military baby because she was born on Friday of Memorial Day weekend, which means he got Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off of work. (laughs) So he was back to training on Tuesday when I had a four-day-old child. And that was just normal. Um, That's what everybody around us had to do. So that's what I had to do as well. And I was I took a break from my master's program that semester that I was moving and having her. I did know I couldn't do all of that at once. So I took a break for that semester. And then I finished my master's degree while at home with with Leah, as her name, our, our oldest. And around when she was nine months old, I started getting applications out and finding a job. And I started full time as a design engineer for a cylinder company, not exciting compared to airplanes and uh, space shuttles and things, but I'm in Arkansas. So this is where I can get a job. And I was so excited and I was going to do it all. We found a great Montessori daycare school for her to enter in once she turned a year old and everything was great, except I hated doing the job. I did not like it at all. And I really had some great coworkers, so that helped, but I missed my daughter. I missed her so much. And my husband was supposed to deploy, um, and I just was like, I can't do this anymore. And I was visiting a friend of mine who I went through college with, and she doesn't have any children, um, but she's so supportive. She's one of those best friends who, even if your lives are completely different, she's just always in your corner. And she told me, Jane, when you talk about your daughter, your face just lights up. And when you talk about your job, you seem miserable. And it was kind of her that gave me that permission to say, I don't have to do this. It doesn't define me being an engineer. So I decided to stop and I quit and I didn't have anything else lined up. I just said, I need to be home right now. And I eventually um, 
found a variety of other things that I like to do. One of them was writing for a online math program that I wrote tests and quizzes and I I wrote little stories to teach people about uh, calculus in the unit circle and different things like that. And I really liked that little job, um, which I did while my daughter stayed in school. We kept her in Montessori school and just put her part-time, which was a, I found out a perfect balance for me. I loved having her home most of the day, but also having a break to do other things. And it was a really good balance for me. And I never tried to find full-time work again after that. I ended up finding a really awesome job as a museum educator for a children's science museum, which was so much fun. I got to bring in my passion for science education but they were really nice about working around my schedule with, at this time now, I had two kids and it was really a, a great mix of both my family and the science world that I really liked. Um, and so when we were in Little Rock for about three years and I added two kids to the family in that one three-year period, um, so it was a busy, and I, and I switched jobs twice. So that's a busy three years to go through. But at the time, it didn't seem that way. I guess I was just doing what I had to do. In retrospect, were you feeling overwhelmed at that point? Yes. Yes, I was. (laughs) Um, I was struggling to find some sort of meaning for myself other than just a mom. And I was kept feeling like I wasn't doing enough because I wanted my kids to go to a preschool or to a, a Mother's Day Out. They call them Mother's Day Out programs in Arkansas. I never had heard that till I moved there, but um, they have those in Dallas. Do they? I no I, and I'm what like, what was. about and dad? Does he get it. a day out? I don't get it. I hated it too. But that's what it was called. If you uh, said daycare, they thought I meant putting like in a home, which was would have been fine too. But I didn't know anybody who did that, and so. Um, I just felt like it gave this perception that Mother's Day out, go get your nails done. Yeah, like it was Mother's weird. Where I was like, like Mother's Day out to go to my <laughs> job now at the museum. And, you know, club I know. Yeah. Um, I was doing, I was writing my dissertation. My son was at Mother's Day out two days a week. And I'm just like, no, I am not going to get my nails. Not that there's anything wrong with getting your nails no, done. But I ahead. think <laughs> the name of it like triggers, at least for me, it triggered me to think like, this is all moms have to do is have a fun day out. No, totally. And when there's a lot of us who do other stuff, you know? Yes. Yes. And it, for, for me, it really was a main sense of childcare for me. That's, I mean, that was where I expected my daughter to go. So I could go to have my job, you know, it was my daycare, my childcare, but nope, it was Mother's Day out apparently. Um, but it was a great facility and my, my daughter was very happy. My oldest was still at the Montessori, um, but that didn't start until a year old. So I, I couldn't have them both at the same, um, place. But the the other benefit of Little Rock was that childcare there, compared to other areas of the country, uh, was very affordable for us. Um, so it meant that I could put them in a part time program without a huge sense of financial guilt that my job wasn't bringing in a ton of income. It really, it literally just paid for her to go to her childcare program. It did not pay anything extra, but it gave me a sense of happiness and um, a good balance that I was craving. I was craving balance. I will definitely say that. So do you feel that, feel like having this outside outlet really helped with the mental overwhelm that comes with moving and having a second kid and just the big life changes that you were going through? Yeah, I definitely think that if I would have either stayed at my full-time job or stayed home completely, I would have really struggled that I was missing something. But by finding a bit of balance between working part-time and still being able to be home, um, allowed me to feel like I was still doing something for myself as well as still there for my children. And I was really, um, lucky to find a 
a work from home job writing that math curriculum that I could do in the night, I could do in the morning. You know, I just had a deadline. It didn't matter when I wrote it. So that was really flexible with young children. And then also um, the staff at the museum was so wonderful and so supportive. They really set a bar for what I expect my future employers to do as far as being a family-friendly workplace. Because if I was sick or my children were sick, there was no guilt that I had to, you know, I need to stay home with them. And my husband could travel for his job and be gone. And I didn't feel this doom of what am I going to do if I wake up tomorrow and my child has an ear infection, um, which was really stressful when I was working full time because we don't, I don't live near family. And so I, I don't have anybody that can just kind of step in and help me. Um, so having just the stress of not having to give all of myself to a job, but not also having to be fulfilled entirely by staying home with my kids was a good mix of the two. So were you able to keep at least in your online job after you moved? I wasn't actually. Um, There's some really strange rules about when you move to different countries for the military and how those countries are supported and um, an an agreement and stuff. So actually in Italy, I'm not allowed to work online um, because the rules haven't caught up with the modern day life (laughs) of 2019. And so... Um, I'm a rule follower, so I didn't keep that job, even though I would have liked to. And I was a little bit worried. Are you worried. allowed to work at all or just not online? I'm allowed to work in a U.S. military base. Okay. Um, but we are in a more remote place, um, so there really isn't a lot of opportunity for me. I would be very underemployed if I decided to work at the nearest military base, which is a tiny base that doesn't have a lot of jobs at it um, to begin with, and definitely no engineering or STEM education jobs for me. Got it. Yeah. So within all these moves, were you hauling all your stuff around with you or were you putting it into storage? How does that work when you're moving so often? Oh, we had it all (laughs) today. We had all our stuff. Um, And that was a huge catalyst in me saying enough is enough. I've got to simplify my belongings and my home because it wasn't so bad when we moved to Japan because we were a young couple. We were just a few years out of college. We just didn't have that much stuff. But then we gathered more things while we lived in Japan. And then adding a baby, you know, your your things just like explode. You get so much stuff when you have kids And we moved into a three-bedroom home with a den and a living room and this big kitchen. And it's like we just had to fill it up. And uh, I loved that house. It was great. But when we found out we had six weeks to move from Arkansas to Washington, D.C., and then from there on to Italy, it was a mad panic to try to get the house in, in order for a realtor to come in to try to sell it and trying to decide what to pack and what not to pack. And are we getting rid of things? Are we just going to bring everything? But we have to downsize to this tiny apartment in Washington, D.C. because we can't afford a big house there because it's a completely different cost of living. And it was not fun. And when we finally got to Italy and we moved into an Italian-style home, which does not have closets, that's completely normal here, Uh, We were lucky to have a tiny little garage, which I don't know if our car would actually fit in it, but we use it for storage. My laundry's out there and stuff. Um, But it was, I I got into this house and I said, never again. I will never again panic to move like I panicked this last time. I will never feel overwhelmed with my house and my stuff ever again. And it has been a really, really good change since. So you brought everything with you to Italy, and did you get rid of a lot of it? Um, so we started the the big purge, um, I, I, I guess probably we tried to get rid of a bunch of stuff before we moved to Washington, D.C., but we just didn't have enough time. And so we got rid of a lot of little things, but a lot of the bigger stuff um, – 
we had two shipments. One shipment was like going to storage to then go to Italy. And the other shipment was going to our apartment in Washington, D.C. So I was scrambling trying to figure out what to bring to D.C. and what just goes to Italy. So when we eventually made it to Italy, they were unloading boxes I hadn't seen for six and a half months that I thought I needed to bring here. (laughs) And I'm like, why did I haul this across the world? What was I thinking? And so, yes, we've gotten rid of quite a lot of things since um, being here. We didn't have a lot of big furniture and stuff like that. It's just stuff. It's just the things in boxes and bins and closets. And when you don't have closets to store anything in, you realize, well, this was just going to sit in the back of a closet. So do I even need it? And um, my girls are sharing a bedroom. And so I don't need two of a lot of things. All their things are together, you know, and just things that living in a smaller home with virtually no storage makes you really second guess everything that you own and why you own it and why did that go across the world with you yeah I have to say when we moved from Texas to New York I I was like oh I got this like I'm a minimalist I have barely any stuff our closets are pretty much empty like this move is going to be a piece of cake I thought I had it all under control and when that moving truck pulled up to our new house I was like holy leap what is in there <laughs> it's like crazy where, when you see all I mean, your things into these big wooden shipping crates yeah, and they and just like, keep coming come like, how, how do I own this much stuff and and the thing is is you get a set amount of weight for a military move based on like if it's a single airman or if it's an airman that has a family and we've always been well below the limit so I always thought like, oh, we're fine. I'm, you know, we know people that can't move certain things because they're above their weight limit if they do. And we never had that problem. We joked that we could, you know, put my husband's Mazda in the shipment and we'd still be underweight. Uh, that was one of our jokes when we we left Japan. But honestly, it's still too much stuff. <laughs> so um, yeah. And And then I realized too, I don't want I don't want the panic for myself, but then I don't want the daily panic, the daily clutter of finding a way to place to put all this stuff. Because as you know, moving into your house, it takes a while to learn how your new house works, like how, how it functions best for your family. And just even things like how you're going to set up your kitchen and when you're struggling to even find a place to put something, you know, you can't think in terms of how functional is this, you're just trying to, you know, shove a door over or, you know, shove another crock pot behind that cabinet door. And I don't need three crock pots. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like it's easy on a daily basis to sort of disconnect the emotional impact that your stuff has on you. But during a move, it becomes so evident. Yes. And I remember my my landlord is the cutest Italian old woman that you could have. Like when I had this dream that I'm going to move to Italy and I want this Nona, that Nona means grandma in Italian to like teach me how to do things and take me under her wing. It was totally just a dream. And when we found this house, like I got that Nona. She is part of our family Aww. now. I love her to death. Her name that. is Silvana. And she volunteered when my stuff arrived to help me unpack my house. And now this is a 70-year-old woman who doesn't speak a word of English. And Did you speak any Italian? I spoke very like beginner Italian. I had been studying for a few months, but now I'm fine. But when we moved here, it was a struggle. And she kept looking around and she kept just saying, tanta roba, tanta roba, which means look, like all the stuff, all the stuff. <laughs> There's so much stuff. <laughs> I was so embarrassed Um, because if you grew up in a home like this from the beginning with no storage and just I've I've learned in Italy how wasteful we can be Um, even with things like doing your trash and your recycling which was a big part of my original mental unload in your very first mental unload group, I didn't realize how stressed out I was about putting my trash out every day. But it's because I was used to hauling this trash out on every Monday or whatever it was in the States in this giant rolly container. 
And then I just had to remember to do it the next Monday and everything would go in this huge container. And here it's like, Mondays is my food trash and Tuesdays is recycling and Wednesdays is paper and Thursdays is trash, but you only get like a little bag. You don't get like a limited trash. I don't know. It's really every day is a different type of waste and you realize how much waste you create when you see it all every morning in its own category lined up and you see your neighbors and how little they have compared to you. Do you feel like some of this is because there just isn't quite as much stuff readily available for purchase there? Like they don't have Target, right? They don't have Target. Oh, Target. (laughs) I miss you. I know. For better or for worse. Um, I mean, yes and no. We live outside Pisa, which is a good-sized city. There is um, a, I call it, like Italian Walmart because it's blue, I guess, versus Italian Target because Walmart's blue and Target's red. But it has like kind of everything you would need in like this one in this one shop. Um, but in general, in other smaller towns, especially, they don't have anything like that. And then if you have a, a little car or no car at all, if you use public transportation, you're not buying more than you need. And their food is also less. Um, I don't want to say less processed because they sell plenty of processed food, but you, in general, you go to the store multiple times a week to get your fresh food. Um, and you don't, you know, have one giant Costco trip and you like bring it all into your house at once. Like, because I think there isn't the space to put it all. So they go shopping every couple of days and, and things. And so it's just, it's opened my eyes to, there's other ways to do this than the way that, I had been doing before, um, which really wasn't working because I wouldn't have been as completely stressed out about my move and my things and my stuff if it was working. Um, But now I know that when we get the next orders and we find out where we're moving beyond here, I'm going to be ready. (laughs) I'm going to be welcoming those moving trucks to come in because I'm going to be ready. I, I will know that the things in my house are the things I want in my house. Yes. Now, where did you start when it came to the stuff? Did you start with your clothes or the toys or what did you do first? Um, I started, uh, I don't even know. I I did a lot of starting with the toys because um, when we moved from Washington, D.C., I left a lot of stuff there and donated a lot of stuff because my daughter was at that point almost 18 months old, my youngest, And she was out of those baby toys, you know, the, I don't like, we left her crib there. I was just like, I can't bring and set this crib up another time. We've set this crib up like three times. I can't do it again. And we just, I I got rid of a lot of toys when we, when we moved here. And then once we got here is when I started doing a lot of my clothes because I didn't have a big closet. I have like a three foot wide wardrobe and that's, where all my clothes need to hang up. And so I got rid of a lot of clothes and I have um, access to some pretty nice shopping here in Italy as far as clothes go. And so I really went for quality over quantity. I, I really try now to be much more thoughtful about what goes into my wardrobe. And um, it's really opened up a lot of just freedom in that because I wash laundry every day. And so I don't need to have a ton of clothes because, you know, the longest my clothes goes maybe two days without being available to be clean. So I have most of my wardrobe available to me at all times. So it doesn't need to be that big. And, um, the temperature here is fairly mild. Most of the year it gets really hot, but it never gets extremely cold. And so it's easier to have less. I don't have to worry as much about a giant span of temperature. So I, that's nice. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I started with clothes and toys and then it slowly has moved in other areas of the home. The kitchen, um, was, I did that more recently, um, which was a big help. 
And it's slowly trickled into some of my husband's things. I've not forced him to do his things, but I do have this master list of before we move again. And one of them is to go through his two bins of, they're just in the garage and they just say Derek's stuff on them. (laughs) And it's just like, (laughs) we're not leaving this country without you opening those bins and touching everything in them and saying, if you really want it. And so he's like, no, no, we'll do it. We'll do it. He's on on board. Um, (laughs) But it's nice because I see now with the children, they're not overwhelmed by their things and everything has a spot for their toys and it makes cleaning up easier. It makes them finding the things they need without my help easier. Um, It's just, it's now in their... It's ingrained in them, I guess, now that uh, my daughter said, because her birthday's coming up, and she said, oh, mom, maybe before my birthday, I should go through the toys and pick out the ones I don't play with much anymore to make room for some new toys I might get for my birthday. And I loved that because though we don't try to just shower her with a million gifts, she does know that on her birthday, she gets some new toys, but she didn't just automatically think, oh, I get all these new toys. She goes, oh, I'll give away the ones I don't play with so much anymore. And she just says it on her own now because I've had that be a part of her life for the last two years that she's, she thinks that way now, um, yeah. which is great. Now, are your kids mostly friends with other Italian kids or other American kids? Um, both. They go to an Italian school. So every day um, they're with their Italian classmates. And we do have some American friends that are nearby that we're friends with as well. So they get a, a mix of both, which is pretty cool. And um, I kind of wonder, like hearing about your life now and how it it sounds so much lighter and simpler than when you were living in the U S but do you feel like the way that your house, the, the lightness of your house and of the lifestyle that you're living is almost similar to what most Italians are doing on most days or is it different? You know, that's hard to answer because I feel like just, just like Americans, there's a, there's a lot of Italians that live different lifestyles from one another. Um, In general, sometimes I feel like our life is actually a little bit slower in some areas. Um, My daughters attend the same preschool. It's a very small, uh, like, country school up up in the the countryside here. And there's about 20 kids in the whole school, ages three, four, and five. So they're together in the same little school. And it seems like many of their classmates are in a lot of activities, be it swimming lessons or they go to a music class or they um, have a sport that they do. And my kids aren't involved in any extracurriculars right now. Um, But I also feel like a lot of the Italian families near me have a lot of family support. And, you know, I I see grandparents picking kids up from school and they're the ones that are going to go take them to swim class, not mom and dad, you know, or um, they don't, they, they stick closer to home than we do. We travel a lot. And so we simplify our daily life at home so we can have that flexibility to travel without worrying about missing a, a dance recital or something like that. Though I have asked my children if they want to do things and they tell me, no, they don't want to. So that helps that I'm not, I don't feel like I'm um, taking anything away from them at these young ages by not having them in an extracurricular activity. Um, But it's, I don't know, in some ways, I feel like I'm a little slower than their lives. But Italian parents have definitely taught me how to slow down and relax when it comes to being with my kids. Um, So it's kind of a back and forth. I don't, I can't say it's a blanket thing that it's, it's all Italians have a slower lifestyle, but, um, sometimes I definitely feel like I've learned a lot from the Italian culture and living here. Okay. And that, that makes sense. I guess that's what I was thinking because when I think about Italy and some other parts of Europe as well, I think about just sort of having this slower culture where you can sit down and enjoy your cup of cappuccino or whatever it is that you're drinking and really be present. And I'm sure that that's not, I mean, like to some degree that's true, but not necessarily across the board. I think Italian moms can get caught up in that 
race to do everything too. To a lot of the women here have jobs um, and are trying to do it all as well. And I think just like any other parents, they want to give their children opportunities and and the things that the American mothers struggle with as well. But I do think that the way that they can sit down at a meal with uh, their family and friends at a restaurant for hours and just let the kids play and be there and be a part of it is something that I had to learn to do. (laughs) Um, That was really hard for me when we first moved here to just relax and, and let that kind of time spent with others um, just kind of happen. I always thought, you know, we have to be doing something or the kids, the kids need structure and what are they going to do at a restaurant for two hours? And I figured it out and it's not that hard anymore. Um, Yeah. So in in that sense, you do have that slower pacing. So in, in some ways you do get that slower life. So now that you're in Italy and you can't work, how do you feel like that's impacted your emotional well-being? And have you found anything to give you that stimulation? Yeah. So I was actually really worried about that because I felt that I had found a pretty good balance between working and being a mom right before. And I mean, literally right before in the months leading up to our last move, um, because we weren't expecting to move. It was a, a surprise thing. So I was really worried about that. So I knew I knew I needed to do something to keep myself feeling challenged. And so I really dove into language study and we invested um, money as well as time into saying this is worth it for me to learn Italian because we want our children to go to Italian school, which means I need to be able to talk to their teachers and the other parents to form a community Um, my husband's going to be using Italian every day at work and I want to be able to be a part of his community and meet his friends and not be on the side and stuff. So that was a big priority was getting me Italian lessons and the time to study. Um, and so that has helped a lot. And then since we've moved here, we've been traveling a lot, obviously with Italy at our fingertips for just you know, three short years, we have to see as much as we can. And so I've really learned, we've always loved to travel, but this was like the first time we really were traveling with our little kids. And I've really learned to um, enjoy planning the trips and being on the trips, of course. And then I've started a travel blog to share some of that. I had a lot of friends say, you know, Jane, you need to write some of this stuff down because People are going to want to know how to go to the places you've gone to with little kids. People think you can't take little kids on a wine tour and, you know, things like this. And so I started a travel blog, which I've never been a writer. I'm a math and numbers person. And so this was a big, like scary, um, you know, a new adventure, I suppose. But it's been really fun and given me another outlet that I've enjoyed doing. Um, and this is honestly the first time since becoming a mom that I feel like I don't need anything more. I'm very content and it feels good and it feels good to not be identified by what I do or what I don't do. And that's the thing actually I love about the Italian culture is it might take you months to find out the job of the people that you talk to every day at your kid's school or the job of, you know, the spouse. I know what my husband's coworkers do for a job because they work together, but I don't even know what some of their wives do because you don't talk about work. You talk about everything else. Work is just a thing you do. It's not who you are. And so that has been so wonderful that people don't, ask me every once in a while they say did you work in the in the states and then I'll go into my you know my background a little bit but oftentimes they don't they just ask if I'm loving it here in Italy and um you know there's so much you can talk about that's not your job and so that was really nice to say finally like I'm not defined by what I do or what I don't do I'm defined by who I am and that's enough and I, I'm in a really good spot with that. 
Oh, I love that. So what is the name of your travel blog? I want to put that in the show notes. Sure. So um, my website is littletripstravel.com. And I also have an Instagram, which is at littletripstravelblog. So yeah, littletripstravel.com for the website and add the blog to the name for my Instagram account. Um, And I'm also on Facebook at, at Little Trips. Great. I'm definitely going to put those links in the show notes because I know that I'm always looking, whenever we're planning a trip, I always go looking for blog posts for people who've been there with kids and the things that they've loved to do with kids. And I am definitely on board with you in the sense that you can take kids anywhere, but sometimes having a little bit of guidance right. in some <laughs> of the, the better things and better areas to lean towards with kids can be really helpful. And there's not enough out, out there. No, that. for sure. And I definitely try to focus like if we we went to Greece on a vacation, I'm not an expert on Greece. I can tell you what I did and what worked for us, but I'm not going to write on my blog that I know how to go see Athens with children. But what I do know how to do with kids is see Pisa because I live here. You know, I, I can really bring in, if you're wanting to come to Tuscany and to Italy, I can bring in the half tourist, half local approach because I'm a little bit of both when I'm here. and. I just enjoy saying, hey, this is what I did in in Greece or in Paris or wherever I've gone. And it might not have worked great, but this is what I did. So you can learn from it or not do what I do as well. Um, and so it's just been fun. I'm still, it's just a hobby blog, but for me, it gives me that creative outlet and it gives me a sense of, of, me sharing something I've learned with other people because I usually like being the student. And so now I feel like, well, if I'm putting in all this work to travel for my family, I can maybe help uh, other families enjoy traveling with their kids more too. Good. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Jane. This has been a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you, Danae. I've enjoyed talking with you as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and my chat with Jane. For more information about the things that we talked about and links to get in touch with Jane, go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 165. And mark your calendars for the mental unload. Enrollment opens next week, July 17th. Go to simplefamilies.com forward slash unload for more details. Thank you for tuning in and for being a part of Simple Families.